Welcome to Women Leading the Way Radio Show, where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals, where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today. Good morning and welcome to Woman Lead Radio brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. I'm Melissa Washington, your host of Women, Veterans in Business. Our show topic today is significance of social worker as a small business owner and just we're going to talk a little bit more um, today with our leading lady who's Kimberly Henry, Navy veteran and CEO and founder of Gold Beacon. Good morning, Kimberly. Good morning. Thank you for having me on today. Absolutely. Yeah, we're definitely want, we definitely want to talk about how social workers see things differently and, of course, you know, your experience in the Navy and, and what you've been doing and, and, you're, and, and as a business owner as well. So, so let's, let's talk about, first of all, why you joined the Navy, and then what you did in the Navy. Yeah, so I joined the Navy in 2009, and honestly, it was my last day of my high school career, and I was working at the prosecutor's office, and I got a phone call. Never considered joining the military before, but um, they gave me a clearance, and it was a consistent paycheck. I come from a really small little area, so I was able to, in my mind, find a way to make sure I was consistently taking care of my brother's. Um, I ended up staying in for 10 years total, and I was a cryptologic technician, so I did a lot of signals intelligence and a lot of data fusion, so gathering a lot of information and putting it together uh, to provide you know, information to help decision makers when it came to um, intelligence resources that they need. So I, I loved it, and I you know, was going to do four and done and get out and get my degree, and then it turned into, oh, I'm going to do 30 years. And then it turned into, actually, I think I'm going to get out at 10 years. So it was an interesting ride, but um, I'm very thankful for it. And so with your, um, at the 10 years, you're going to transition out. What what did you think or what was the plan when you transitioned out of the military? Yeah, so while I was in the Navy, I was also a sexual assault victim advocate. And I've always, always, always had a passion um, for helping people and just, helping solve problems or helping be there, um, you know, I, I, I never want someone to feel alone. And so I do whatever I can to fill that gap. And with sexual assault victim advocacy, I, you know, really found my passion. And so I decided that, you know what, I actually want to pursue that full time. I want to pursue social work full time. And by doing so, when I got out in 2019, um, I had just had my brand new son, baby Cade, and I was adopting my nieces. And also had my brother living with me. So it was kind of a full house. Um, but it was like, you know what, I can't be the mom that I want to be and be the sailor that I want to be, um, you know, and the social worker. So I chose to continue my path in being a social worker. Um, and I started as a full-time federal employee, actually, as a base sexual assault victim advocate. So I was really easily able to transition into that role. So that was what four, so we're on what four years ago, and some things have changed right yeah. since since then. Yeah. So, so so t- let's 
let's talk about your 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 business. So you're you founded Gold Beacon, and um, tell us the listeners about what what Gold Beacon is. Yes. So the Gold Beacon started. Um, I never honestly thought I'd see myself owning my own business. So for those of you out there listening. If you have thought about business ownership or never thought about it, it's possible and you can do it. Um, it will might come up unexpectedly like it did for me, but when I was a federal, federal employee, I had um, resigned from that position and I started to um, do some interpersonal violence prevention training, actually for the Department of Defense as well, as a contractor. And I love training. I love education. Uh, and when I, you know, left the base, it was, for a couple of different reasons, but I wanted to, again, pursue social work and advocate on a level that's different when you're not inside of a very structured organization. Um, and so I, I have this passion for getting out there and being, filling a role where I could best have an impact. And as a sexual assault victim advocate, you're doing a lot of one-on-one work, which I love working with survivors, uh, but I'm also... I see myself as a macro social worker, a macro meaning kind of like large-scale change. You know, I see programs and policies and ways that we can improve them, you know, improve the processes as well as just make it better for everybody that those policies and programs are supposed to be serving. And so I had done the training for a little bit, and in the process of that, I had started the Gold Beacon. And Gold stands for Grant Management, Organization, Learning, and Development which are really four key areas of any organization, whether you're a for-profit, you're a nonprofit, you're a government agency, you're a group of people, you have to have funding, you have to have organization, you have to be able to help people understand what you're doing and be able to take feedback as well. And then you have to develop things, right? And so Beacon, meaning we help guide you there. Um, so the Gold Beacon is my business and it's a national development consulting agency. We essentially offer project solutions to any organizations that want to be social change champions. Um, again, nonprofit, for-profit, government, really anybody that's seeking to grow, uh, seeking to gain some new opportunities, and especially those that are kind of missing those opportunities to grow and to get funding resources uh, because they either don't have the time or the capacity, they're exhausted, um, they're, you know, 12 people wearing 14 different hats each. And so we come in and we're really there to, hey, what's your problem? What's the situation that you have going on? What is holding you back? What are some barriers? And we do kind of a quick essential needs assessment because needs assessments can be very in-depth, but we do a quick uh, kind of needs assessment and a client intervention. And we see, okay, we see here some of the concerns, you know, develop a proposal and kind of give some ideas of what we can do. But we go in and we work alongside the actual agency and the staff um, because we want to make sure that we're turning it over to them in a sustainable way. We are are very big about empowering here at the Gold Beacon. We don't want to uh, hold everybody's hand the entire way. So what we really focus on is making sure that the services that we provide, we turn over, you know, whatever problem they have, we put it in a pretty little package all fixed, good to go with a bow on top and hand it back to them. And now they're ready to take it and run with it. But doing so in a way that they have the capacity for, so they can continue to be sustainable. 
And you got your degree in social work, and you, you talked a little bit about how social workers see things differently. So how do you feel that being a social worker prepared you for business ownership? That's a good question. Um, yes, I have my, my bachelor's, my master's, and my license here in Texas in social work. And social workers are, whew, we are different. Um, there's a lot of organizations and roles or professions that seem to be like social work but aren't necessarily social work um, educated. And the reason that's important is because social workers, I mean, we have a code of ethics, we have a list of competencies that we're required to live by. You know, and one of the most recent um, code of ethics that was applied was self-care. I mean, we have to follow things to a standard that some other professions honestly don't have um, or their standards are a little bit different. So as a social worker, being a social worker and a business owner, I'm able to see things differently. And yes, obviously my business is a for-profit, but I'm not here necessarily just to make money. I'm here to help develop. If I can develop a nonprofit and help grow what they're doing and help get them more resources, then what I'm really doing is I'm helping all the population, um, individuals, families that they're serving. And so as social worker, we're not just kind of looking for how do you fix this problem quickly or how can you fix this problem with the least amount of money, <laughs> but rather we're looking at how do you fix this problem comprehensively? We take a holistic approach and we say, okay, we can't just apply this, you know, board of directors uh, and say this is a good one. You know, they're very experienced in money management. Okay, that's great, but do they work well together? What are some of their goals? Are they aligned with the mission? You know, we're looking at things differently to make sure that, again, that organization can be sustainable. Uh, and being a business owner, I mean, I have a, quite a bit of subcontractors, and as a social worker, I hire um, women, I hire veterans, I hire people who are living with disabilities, um, because I know we're all capable of, and I love to see the performance um, that they bring to the table, whether they're social worker or not. Um, I love to see that performance, and I sometimes get to lead people into getting social work degrees, so that's pretty cool, too. Very cool. Well, um, right now we're going to take a quick moment to recognize one of our sponsors and partners. Women Lead Radio is brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, Microsoft. The Microsoft mission is to empower every person organization on the planet to achieve more. Microsoft believes technology is a powerful force for good and are working to foster a sustainable future where everyone has access to the benefits and opportunities created by technology. Microsoft believes technology can and should be a powerful force for good, and that meaningful innovation can and will contribute to a brighter world in big and small ways. Thank you for your support, Microsoft, and to all of our sponsors and partners. All right, we're back to Women, Veterans, and Business, and with us today is Kimberly Henry, and we were just talking about the significance of um, social worker, being a social worker as a small business owner, and all of the great qualities that social workers have to become business owners. And then also, too, talking with Kimberly uh, about her, her business, um, Gold Beacon. And with your and, – and I had a quick question. On your, on your business, it's not solely – you're a, of course, you're a woman veteran business owner, but you help all organizations regardless if they're a veteran business or not, correct? Yes, that is a great, great question. I do help everybody. I've, you know, have local clients and I have clients all over the country. 
Um, and yes, as long as you are an organization that wants to help people or that wants to be better, which hopefully is, you know, almost everybody out there wanting to be better, um, you know, for-profit, non-profit, again, or a government agency, um, or just a new team starting out and you're like, do I start a non-profit? I don't know. What do I do? Um, if you're wanting to make a difference in someone's life, we help you. That's great. And with that, so how, you know, they're, just in case our listeners may want to reach to you after, after the show, they're looking maybe they have those questions, right, and, they're, and yep. to get started with that needs assessment, how would you like our listeners to contact you? Yeah, they can go to our website, um, www. So email me at Kim at thegoldbeacon.com. I uh, am also listed on your website, Melissa, for the women um, veterans and businesses. And, of course, we have a Facebook page, social media, Instagram, LinkedIn. And so there's multiple different ways that you can connect with us. And when you do, you can send a simple email or we have calendar options where you can schedule um, a video call or a phone call or an in-person meeting with us. And, you know, we provide free consultations. And in that consultation, it's to sit down and say, you know, what do you feel your problem is? <laughs> what are you struggling with? What are your barriers? Um, but not have anyone feel, you know, obligated or stressed or pressured. Just share with me what you think you're going through, um, you know, what you would like to see happen with that. And then from there, we create an action plan going forward. Well, that's a great resource. And uh, we'll have a link to your website on the show page as well. So that way if someone's oh, listening yes. and they're not you. able to write it down, they can come to the yes. show page and click there because what you're providing is a, a very valuable um, resource. So something else, too, so you're leading a grassroots effort to address ADA compliance and accessibility. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah. Um, you know, being I have a service dog. Uh, her name is Daisy, and she I had her since she was a puppy, so for eight years. But a couple years ago, uh, she did some tests, temperament tests and public service tests and got a lot of training uh, to be a service dog. It wasn't always um, easy to be a service dog, but she was able to separate um, herself with me and, and then the rest of the family, the kiddos that I have. Um, and she's been an amazing asset to my life. And um, I will say, though, however, being a woman and being um, a very independent and a very driven woman, I would say, you know, talking about just the things we've talked about today, I'm a social worker, I have degrees, I've adopted kids. Like, you know, I get the question, how do you do that if you need a dog? And, um, you know, I'm very passionate about helping people understand, you know, this month is Mental Health Awareness Month. And I really want people to feel comfortable asking those questions, but also know how to ask those questions and which ones are appropriate. And when it comes to, you know, Daisy, I unfortunately have faced some discrimination as um, not just a person living with a disability, but actually as a disabled veteran. And it's, it's kind of heartbreaking, but it's keeps me moving forward. So, again, nobody else has to. Um, and locally here, I live in a West Texas town. This town is amazing. I'm pretty sure almost every year we get recognized as one of the best towns in Texas. Um, and I love it. I love living here. It's an incredible community, great for families. Um, but they're a little behind, like most U.S. cities right now, when it comes to the ADA, American with Disabilities Act, compliance. Um, you know, the last update was back in 1993, and 
some cities kind of just left it there and really haven't done anything to make sure that they're within compliance. And and that's something, you know, from a government standpoint, that cities can lose government funding, you know, which is a lot of money sometimes. Um, but from an individual perspective, people are limited, not because of their disability, but because of the community. And what I mean by that, again, not just our community here, there, we're not, we may be behind, I say, but we're definitely not alone. There's a lot of individuals, families are left out, and not because they're living with a disability, but because they are maybe in a community um, or an environment or uh, an area where the resources are limited, and that can be resources as far as getting support with their disabilities. Um, or just being able to go somewhere. Since I've started this effort last June, um, I've talked to individuals here locally who have not left their homes in over two years. And it's not because of COVID, um, it's really just because it's almost impossible to, to get around town. And, you know, I have an individual and she's an incredible woman and she has her own story that I, and she can share, but she uses a wheelchair and, you know, they use, uh, they made adaptations to her vehicle that was very expensive for her to be able to drive. But she, you know, again, the barrier isn't her disability. The barrier is that when she goes somewhere, she sometimes gets locked in. And because she uses a wheelchair, she can't drive. Um, or she may get stuck if a vehicle parks next to her, kind of in the lines, like at a handicapped social parking spot. Seeing all these things, um, you know, I'd rather help bring a solution rather than just bring a problem. And, you know, I've communicated with the city council. I've met with the city manager, city attorney, and we have a team. Um, you know, I have two amazing women who are here local, Anita and Andrea, and we are really just working to educate the city and the community, the county, just about, hey, we have to, you know, not just fall within compliance because it's federal civil rights law, but we have to do it to improve the quality of life. People living with disabilities have an incredible impact on the world. I mean, not just our country, but the entire world. And if we're not including them, if we're not making an effort to make sure that they're active participants in our community, we're really, really missing out. And ADA compliance is there to kind of help with that. And so if we can get in compliance, and also if we can just start asking questions, um, you know, like, hey, should we put this sidewalk here? Should we put this little pole in the middle of the sidewalk? Well, maybe not, you know? Getting, just having those questions, that thought process kind of change to think about others, kind of what we're, we're, the direction that we're working towards. So if someone listening, you know, they may feel the same way, like, okay, there's a lot of things that need to be addressed here in our community when it comes to ADA compliance. Where would you recommend, where should someone start with that? Yeah. Um, well, I'd love to help answer any questions that you have. This is something that I do on my Tons of free time um, outside of the business, but I, I love doing it, and I love being able to connect people with the resources. There are some incredible um, ADA networks. There's the ADA network, and there's different organizations um, and uh, offices within that network for different regions. Um, so they can go to the ADA network website, and they can look there. But if they, you, know, you don't want to do too much digging and kind of get lost. Just You can contact me directly, and I can find out where you're at kind of what some of your, you know, uh, frustrations are, some of the things you're running into, and some of your questions, and I could better probably direct you directly to where you need to go. Um, so there are a lot of resources. There's a lot of free training. There's a lot. Uh, there's a conference that goes on every year, a symposium. 
um, that's incredible. There's a lot of consultants out there um, and a lot of like, a lot of just good information. So feel free you know, to contact me and I can help guide you in uh, the information you're looking for. Great. So you mentioned Daisy, who I've met Daisy. And um, so from from what I understand, um, Daisy, she might end up being, she's probably become famous because you're going to be publishing a book. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. This is my first um, public, I guess, public notice that I am writing a book in the process of finishing it up and ready to um, send it off for publication. And it's about Daisy and I um, and what Daisy does. And, you know, that's, going to be the title, What Daisy Does. And because I do get a lot of questions, I do have three kids. They are four, eight, and 12 who are very active in sports and activities. And everywhere we go, there's kids, you know. And so an example is we walk up and kids want to pet Daisy. And, um, you know, I, as long as they ask, I do allow them to um, if I'm okay. And I give her a command for them to do that. And adults as well. And it's heartwarming to see because, in some ways, it makes me more comfortable because people aren't looking at Daisy and I like we're outliers or like what's wrong with us or why are we here, um, but rather it makes us approachable, which makes mental health approachable. And my disabilities are non-visible, and so I know that there's questions. Um, and sometimes I get silly questions, you know, like does she sleep? And so, um, you know, the first time I got that question, I was a little caught off guard. I was like, well, yeah. The second time I got that question, I thought I would kind of be silly, too. And I said, no, nope, I just plug her into her USB port. But she, um, she's amazing. And, you know, I just want to help clarify those questions. I want to help open the conversation about mental health and disabilities and open the conversation of different forms of trauma, uh, different disabilities. You know, the first question I get asked when people obviously always see me with Daisy, but when I'm meeting someone new, is was I in the military? And I answer yes. And my second question is that I always get asked, it's never failed, is were you in combat? And although I did do um, two of my three deployments were technically in combat zones, I was never in hand-to-hand combat. Um, I was in Japan during the tsunami. You know, I saw a bunch of stuff, um, did a lot of things on Intel. Um, but I'm also a trauma survivor and a violent survivor. Um, and so, you know, I don't believe that women and men, any gender identity orientation, whoever you are, um, you know, however you identify, should never have to justify why they're getting the help that they need and, you know, justify why I have a service dog. And so this book, is in, it's going to be a children's a book about Daisy and I's experience through her training as a service dog, um, our experiences just in life in general. It's going to explain kind of some of the things that she does for me. It's going to answer, hopefully, a lot of those questions. And it's going to be, my goal for it is to be a resource, a resource for people to turn to and read and something that is in a, you know, relatable, approachable, comprehensible way for them to say, you know, next time I see a service dog, these are some things that I can do that are appropriate, you know, um, talk to the handler, don't talk to the dog, you know, put some tips in there, but they'll be able to say, you know what, these are some things that I will be able to do or that I know next time um, I come across the service dog. And also here are some reasons why that person may have a service dog, but it doesn't change who they are. Um, using a wheelchair, having a service dog, 
um, having a speech impediment, I mean, anything that someone may see as a disability. Um, you know, if you take out the dis, all you have is ability. And we're very able of doing, and capable of doing things. And so this book is just going to open that door to have that conversation. That's wonderful. I look forward to reading it. Oh, thank you. Yes, and it's. I'm sure it's. It's you know it takes you're you're a bit you're a very busy woman with everything <laughs> that you've got going with, with the with the kids yeah. and your your business mm-hmm. and all your all yes. your grassroots efforts that you're doing and of course doing the book. Um, right. <laughs> so if you could, you know. What what gets you up in the morning? I mean, I mean, besides getting up in the morning, what is it? You know, in the morning, it's like, okay, what pumps you up? Like, yeah, um, what pumps me up? So, you know, I'm all my kids have, and I, like I said, come from a very rural, low income area, um, and I love my little town where I'm from. But um, I just want to provide for my kids, and I want to not just provide for them, but provide for, you know, as many people as I can. And I, since I was little, was always told, Kimmy, you can't save the world. Um, they call me Kimmy, still in my family, but Kimmy, you can't save the world. And I understand that. I've learned that, you know, now. But can do is do what I can to fill some gaps so it's easier for the next person. And so it's not as challenging for the next person. And, and so that next person has, opportunities that they may not have had um you know i don't as a mother as you know a survivor as an advocate a social worker a business owner and a woman veteran whew, that, we fill many different hats you know in any one of those categories um but you know what if i could change this policy so more people would be able to get the help they need then you know what, like that's what gets me up. And I've, you know, worked on projects like that with the Commission on Civil Rights. And I worked on a project where we changed policy or recommended changes um, in FEMA policy for hurricane survivors. And sure enough, before the next next hurricane, FEMA did change their policy, which allowed tens of thousands of more people to actually apply and get aid that otherwise wouldn't have um, because of some, you know, older policies that were kind of discriminatory. And so, what gets me up is just knowing that, you know what, I don't really have any special talents. I'm a horrible singer. <laughs> I can barely, you know, I can two-step dance. That's about the country way, but that's about it. But I don't have, um, you know, it wasn't awesome at sports. Um, but my talent is just, I guess, caring for people and just applying my skills and project management and my social work perspective to try to help to make life better for the next person. Awesome. And I could surely see why you were selected as one of the San Angelo's Chamber of Commerce's 20 uh-huh. under 40. Yes. Awesome. Yes. There you go. Thank you. Thank in, you. In, yes. Impacting the quality of life and opportunities. That's that's what that's what you are, are, are doing there um, with that. Thank you. Any, any last closing thoughts? Something you want yeah. to share with the uh, listeners? Yeah. If you, you know, if you're listening and, again, if you're thinking about starting business or if you're a veteran that needs help or you know someone or you just have a question and you don't know the answer, um, you know, I write everything from grants to um, boards, the self-assessment to veterans getting their claims, you know, help with their claims, um, and low-income families getting housing assistance. I mean, whatever, if you're ever just stuck 
just please don't ever hesitate to call me and I will help you find the answer. Uh, I will help guide you in whatever way that I can. Um, I have teams of people that, you know, I, I never, never pass up a phone call. So please um, don't hesitate to call me. And also um, we have Women Veterans Day coming up uh, June 12th. So be, be sure to celebrate us women veterans. Um, I'm very appreciative most of everything that you're doing. And to celebrate women veterans every day. So I'm very grateful to be here on the show today. Thank you. Thank you, Kimberly. Well, that's our show for today. And I'd like to say thank you to Kimberly Henry for being our leading lady today. And a special thanks to all our listeners, both in the U.S. and internationally, as we are an international show. After our show today, you can listen to Women Lead Radio on all subscription podcasts, specifically Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. We are expanding quickly to a daily show and podcast, so for now, we'll be back again for another live Women Lead Radio on Mondays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific. It's been my pleasure to be your host today. Thank you for listening, and have a great week. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence, the premier private membership organization where like-focused, business-to-business executive and professional women connect, collaborate, and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com.